But what I want to talk to you about this morning is a little more personal. But if you knew me 11 years ago when we purchased this property, and some of you do, or close to that time, I'm not the same guy. I am not the same. I mean, I came in here like God told me to, like a, a broke, had no money, a broke bull in a china shop, and we just started ripping down walls and tearing stuff out and finding where the mold was, and, and we did the craziest stuff. But God protected us and kept us during all of that. And I was the same way. I was the same way with people. You got a problem? And here's a sledgehammer of the word. Let's knock that thing down and God will heal you. Get tough. Pick yourself up. I, you know, I talk to people like I talk to myself. And I don't think I should have been talking to myself that way. Which means I shouldn't have been talking to other people that way. So in, in the process of, and we're not finished, but in the process of restoring this property and the other three construction projects we have on this campus, why so many, everybody says, for the Bible school? Okay. In the process of restoring these buildings, moving four buildings in, moving them, you know, putting wheels underneath existing buildings and, and putting in basements and putting them on top and, and watching all of these things, I've learned a lot about restoration in the sense of if I needed to fix something over here, I just can't pull that pole out and do the work up there. There are some things that have to stay for a while. There, there's a, it's a slower process to restore a building than it is to build a new one. And I hate to say it, it's more expensive. It would have been cheaper to build a new building. But that's not what God told us to do. And what I've learned is this building is teaching me how to restore people. Patience. Love. A love for something that's ugly sometimes. Because sometimes our closest friends are the ugliest. The three families that I can talk about this morning, and the first family is the one that you were born into. And, and if you're lucky to know your mother and father, maybe you're not lucky to know your mother and father, I don't know. But we have a mother, we have a father, we may have brothers, we have sisters. So we're born into that family, but we're not born into that family by choice. Are you hearing me? There's a second family that we have, and I talked to you about that. They're in heaven, and we're here. We're part of the body of Christ. This is a family. But there's a third family, and that is the family of choice. That is your local church. And that's what most of the New Testament is about, how we treat one another in the local church. Love... is the first and foremost commandment. Love God first, Jesus said, and then love each other. And if you'll read your Bible, I mean, I'm talking, just don't skim through it. You read it in context like it was written. You'll find out 95% of what 
maybe even 98% of what's talking about loving each other is talking about loving each other in the church. We should be tighter than, tight. we should be stuck together like we got glue, a little bit of gorilla super glue on our elbows. We should be, we should be close. God told me in July, God told me in January, and sometimes he speaks to me in here like he does you. Three times in my life, I think I, it was audible, could have been very strong. Through only three times, you know, he just talked, wow. And they're very short words when he does that. But sometimes he talks to me through as I write. And he talked to me about events that were going to happen in June, July, and August. This was in January. And he told me they were going to be sudden adjustments. And that it, sometimes they would be, it would seem like they were simultaneous. But it's, it, whatever it was would snap back. Now, when God speaks to us, if we don't ask for clarification, we'll, we'll assign a meaning. And I, I, I automatically thought, well, he's talking about financial things are going to happen in the economy, you know. But in June, I had my first surgery. I mean, to the date that he, he gave me. I didn't have them scheduled back then. In, in July, I had this surgery. In June, in the middle of June, Pastor Nietzsche and I went down with COVID, same dates. And then, you know, here in August, I got a call Monday that my mother, my 82-year-old mother had fallen and broke two ribs. And so I, I have been, honestly, I have either been in the hospital or I've been sleeping, that's it. We finally got her over to Wesley Acres. She's starting to realize kind of where she's at and what's going on. And, and I'm hurting for her because they wheeled her up to a table the first morning she was there. And my mom, who's taking care of herself with five friends helping her, oh, very stubborn, very stubborn. I don't know where I got that from. Very stubborn woman would not leave that house. But after her third fall, we had to get her somewhere. And so she's in rehabilitation, but she sat across from two people who fell asleep the minute they rolled them up. And she looked over to another who was drooling. I mean, they were getting, in, they're in bad shape. And my mom who said for a long time, I mean, a long time, I wanna go home. I wanna go home. She wants to die in her recliner. Now, her, her wish is, her wish is that she goes to sleep in her recliner. She doesn't wake up in her recliner. She wakes up in heaven. And so that, that's the motivation we're giving mom is, is, praise the Lord. You know, this is kind of why I'm talking about this, because I have a natural family. I have a brother and I have a sister. And unfortunately, they haven't been a part of any of this. They haven't even talked to her. Because natural families can separate. Natural families can be unhealthy. We all come out of some kind of dysfunction. <laughs> and, you know, we start comparing dysfunction, we'll find out, well, gosh, maybe I'm pretty normal compared to you. But she said to me, she said, I looked at those people, and if that's what's ahead for me, I don't want it at all. 
So we're encouraging her to do the hard work of getting up and walking, going to the bathroom by herself so she can go home to go home. Now that's the family I was born into. I was born into a bigger family. One that has the, all of them have the ability with inside to love like he does because Jesus said that people will know that you're a Christian by your love for one another. And if there's anything that the universal, the universal church sucks at, okay, I'm going to say that again. If there's anything that the church universally sucks at, is loving each other. Pastor Nija has a sermon rolling around on the inside and we don't know who's going to preach it or if we're both going to preach it. But when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he was talking about the religious people who were crucifying him. Sometimes we know that we're doing something and hurting somebody on purpose. Forgive your brother or sister in Christ because they might not be knowing what they're, they probably don't know what they're doing. Forgive those people who aren't in Christ because they certainly absolutely don't know what they're doing. Just for, it's easy to forgive them. But see, it's harder to forgive a Christian because you think that they know, but they probably don't because when you're deceived, everybody say deceived. Everybody around you knows it, but you don't. <laughs> That's the tricky part of it. And everybody will try and tell you and it just makes you matter. So maybe Jesus will pull you up to heaven and say, hey, these aren't yours to bear. And then there's this body, this family. The family I was born into naturally dysfunctional, but we had, we, they, oh, we had some good qualities. Some good things came out of my family. My mom and dad started the ministry 43 years ago during the farm crisis that gave away food down in New Virginia, and they're still doing it today. Some like 300 people every Monday come there and they, they receive food from all over Southern Iowa. They lead people to Jesus, they pray for them. They've been doing that for 43 years. My mom isn't even present. My dad's been in heaven for 18 years, amazing. And, you know, my mother and my father did not have the, it wasn't the most joyous house to live in. Yet, in their brokenness, in their dysfunction, they reached out and they're still, what they did is making a change in southern Iowa. And one time they had the same thing in Ames and the same thing in Sheraton. Really making a difference. Yet, yet. There were times I didn't want to be in the home because it was so loud because of the fight. That was the family I was born into. But this is my family by choice. This is your family by choice. And this family should be more sensitive to one another, more 
forgiving to each other, more accepting of one another. We really should practice with effort love toward one another because when it really gets hard, if we haven't practiced, we're going to, to fail. This is a family of choice. I, I choose you. Over the last two and a half months, something has changed in me. I don't know if it's, it was broken. I don't know if, if, if it was opened up. I have no idea. But through all of the surgeries and the, and the stupid, I could say another word I shouldn't, stupid COVID, I really hurt when you hurt. To the point I say, God, please, I, I don't want to feel so much of this. I mean, we have people right, sitting right in here that have had deaths in their family just, just recently. We have people sitting here who've had suicides in, their, in the family that they were born into. We have people sitting here that are, that are losing their spouses. We have people sitting here whose mother and father are dealing with dementia and they no longer can communicate, they don't even recognize. And when we come into a place like we did in worship, all of that disappears. A family of choice should be able to come together in a living room and maybe with a guitar or a or a, a, a digit off their off their iPhone or, or or a piano come together and worship and bring in the presence of God and make all of that disappear. I need it this morning. I I don't think I've ever ever in my life realized how much I need church. Not just in this building, but I need the assembly too. I need the assembly. I need you. Something was imparted. That's a fancy word. Something was stuck in me this morning. Something was healed. Something was made maybe a little more whole this morning just because we came together on our living rooms. We came together, not just on our laptops. We came together. Corporate anointing in God's presence came down. And he's still here. Now, I want you to be really honest because it'll help everybody around you. How many of you this morning needed to feel God's presence today? Could I see your hands? And look around, please. That's something that we as a family of choice have to do. We have to be vulnerable. And I am, I'm afraid I'm, I, my fear is I'm going to be so vulnerable that I'm going to run everybody off because they're going to think, well, if he's that broken, how can he lead? The truth is I can't. I have to have him help me find others who are good leaders 
and have God help me encourage and build them. Because what's coming, and I'm not talking a year from now, what's coming is this room, the other, the other 500 chairs that we have will begin to fill this room, will begin to fill the balcony, will begin to fill that other room. That's what's coming, it's coming soon. With or without a sprinkler system in Jesus' name. Family by choice. Would you say that with me? Family by choice. You don't have to say this out loud, but the cathedral is my family by choice. I, I choose you. And, and I want you to hear something that, that hurts Pastor Nietzsche and I. It, re it really hurts. And I, we're not, I'm not a wussy. I think I'm becoming one, but I am not a, I am, I, I've always considered myself kind of masculine, okay? And I, if I ever, if I said 20 years ago that, oh, you hurt my heart, I would go in the bathroom, get in the mirror, put the magnifying side on and slap myself as hard as I can so I could see it because I would say, don't ever do that again. But what hurts is this, when you hurt or when you come and then you open up and, and we don't correct, but you tell it, we, we share the, you become vulnerable. For some reason, once somebody does that, even if they get healed, they're so embarrassed, they go find another church. Being vulnerable is necessary. Now, if you tell Pastor Nietzsche and I something, and then pretty soon everybody else in the church knows what you told us, now maybe you better find another church. Maybe we better find another line of work, if you want to call it work. That's part of trust. So again, this morning, if, if I don't say anything else, because I do have to close, I want you to know I am here by choice. I pray you're here by choice. And I, I believe that we're going to bring many others who will by choice make the cathedral their spiritual family loving one another. If we go back to 1970 and everybody wore God is love, you know, those little heart pins and, and, and we talked about, you know, love one another. They'll know us by, they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. See, the old people know it. If we sang Kumbaya, if that's what it took, oh, I'm okay with that. I pray that we don't go back to those things, but Maybe you'll have a new kumbaya that's a little cooler. Let's get back to loving one another. And I want you to know that I'll give you an example. 
15 years ago, I was in another nation with another evangelist who begged to come with me. And he used this phrase over and over again that he wept over something about things that he saw. And I thought to myself, what a girly man is a good way to say it. And when I came back home, I heard this phrase from several other people, so I knew who was speaking it. And I've, I have probably wept more. I, I would hate, I never, I said I'd never use that word. I would, I would never use that word. I have wept more over you and your struggles. And some things God shows me that you didn't tell me. And I, I weep over them. And I pray. And I'm going to be transparent. I, I don't pray for Rachel every day. But I pray for Rachel when I think about her. And it may not be a long thing. It may be, it may be a, a 30 second prayer. Because I'm not going to become dogmatic. I know I just this is not in me. I want to follow the flow. So let's thank God this morning for what He's done in this so far in this building and what's getting done. And then you guys can come on up if you would as we pray. Father, thank you so, so very much for the work that you've done in this, on this building, on this campus. How you supplied miraculously, how you've given us favor with banks and those kind of things. Thank you. Thank you for all of the volunteer labor and almost every person in here would raise their hand if I asked them if they've helped and volunteered because they have. Thank you for all those who have volunteered and even got tired and, and went, went on, went on somewhere else. Thank you for making this safe and a beautiful building again. And thank you for changing me. Thank you for finally prayer I prayed in 1995 that what you put inside my heart would start to come out. People would see. Thank you that the love I really had had for people back in 1995 I can express it. But just help me do it and not look like a girly man. Jesus, thank you for every single person you've drawn here today. And if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, I still want you to pray this with us. If you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want you to pray this with us. Just put one hand on your heart and say this. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I believe in you. I believe, in you. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. I make you the Lord of my life today. And I will live for you to the best of my ability. 
by your power and strength. By your power and strength. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.